This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Brewers on Tap. Episode number 63 of Brewers on Tap, Lane Grindle with you, and it's great to have you with us for another edition of our podcast. A lot coming your way on this podcast. It's jam-packed. We've got David Stearns, the general manager of the Brewers, joining us. We're going to talk to him about a plethora of different topics, and also Brewers roving hitting instructor Jeremy Reed is going to join us. He's joined the big league club for the final few weeks of the season, and we're going to pick his brain as well. Plus, we'll wrap up the minor league seasons for the Brewers affiliates, especially Wisconsin, who is in the uh, Midwest League playoffs and was eliminated, but we'll talk a little bit about that and some of the accomplishments that they had over the course of this season. And we'll talk about some of the guys that stood out over the course of the year in the Brewers minor leagues. But first, it's this date in Brewers history. And now, this week in Brewers history. A couple of different dates for you on this date in Brewers history. We start with September 17th of 2001. And for the first time since World War II, Major League Baseball postpones all games from September 11th through September 16th due to multiple terrorist attacks on the United States. Play resumes for the Brewers on September 17th in St. Louis. And, of course, you'll remember Jack Buck had that touching poem that he wrote about the events and finished it with, Should We Be Here? Yes. A very heartfelt moment, a touching moment, and something we relived this past weekend as the Brewers were in St. Louis on September 11th and talked about that very moment quite a bit while the Brewers were there. Also, September 19th of 2009, Prince Fielder breaks the franchise record for RBI in a season with his 127th coming on a sack fly on September 19th against Houston. He breaks the record in front of the Astros manager and previous record holder, Cecil Cooper. He finished with 141 RBIs on the season. Okay, let's recap the week that was for the Brewers. Last Wednesday, a 2-1 to win over the Cubs, and it was a dramatic one. One of the best games of the year for the Brewers. Jonathan Villar hit two home runs, including this one, to put the Brewers out in front. And the pitch. Villar sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get out of here! Gone for Villar! And the Brewers have the lead on a leadoff home run by Jonathan Villar. shot that was and in the ninth inning with the Brewers holding on to that two to one lead Anthony Rizzo stepped in payoff pitch coming here it is swinging fly ball center and it is caught by Bro- 
Clarkston. Oh, ho, ho. what a catch by Keon Broxton. Rizzo hit that one to deepest left center, and Broxton up on top to pull it back in here. That one, I think, would have cleared the wall or hit the top of it. Play of the homestand there. Wow. What a play it by Broxton. Broxton. Maybe the moment of the year for the 2016 Brewers. On Thursday, the Brewers were in St. Louis against the Cardinals and an offensive explosion for the crew, including Orlando Arcia continuing his hot ways. First one to Arcia, and that's driven to right. Back on it, Piscotti still back at the track. He reaches up, and this one's gone. Orlando Arcia on back-to-back -back pitches goes back-to-back -back homers with Santana. 12-5 victory for the Brewers over the Cards to start up that series. Friday, a 4-3 loss. Saturday, a 5-1 loss. And then Sunday, we told you that was September 11th. And before the game, an on-field presentation by the Cardinals, very touching. And the Brewers and the Cardinals would play one of the better games of the year as well. It was 1-1 one one in the ninth with Ryan Braun stepping in. Now the payoff coming from Segrist. Swinging a high fly, deep left center field. Gritchick back at the track. Gone! Ryan Braun gives the Brewers a 2-1 lead. Home run number 27 for Braun, and there was little doubt. That propelled the Brewers onto their 2-1 victory in a series split in St. Louis. Monday, a tough one for the Brewers as they open up their series with the Reds with a 3-0 loss. And Tuesday, the Reds got the best of the Brewers by a final of 6-4. Let's talk to the general manager. Let's catch up with the crew. Joined by Brewers general manager David Stearns as we sit down with David, every single month here on Brewers on Tap TV. David, great to see you as we start to wrap up the season. It's, uh, it's gone fast. It has flown by. It's been a, a fun year, I think a productive year for our organization. And excited to see what September has in store. Let's just kind of reflect on what this year has uh, brought for you. This is, of course, your first full year with this organization and your first full season seeing this team. And what have been your observations as you try to prepare to build this team moving forward? Well, our, our goal coming into the year was to really begin to build that young core of talent that, that we feel can carry us through to consistent competitiveness in, in what is becoming and has become the toughest division in baseball. And uh, I'm pleased with, with the progress we've made uh, in that regard. We've seen a number of our young players at the major league level uh, take step forwards and, and give us uh, reason to believe that they can be part of that young core going forward and that they can be here for many years to come. And on top of that, we've continued to add to, to what's become one of the strongest farm systems in all of baseball. And so when we put that together, we're, we're certainly pleased with where we are. Um, we have a lot of work left to do. We, we, our goal is not to um, have a strong farm system or have uh, maturing young players. Our, our goal is to have um, a, a playoff caliber team consistently here in Milwaukee, and, and that's what we're working towards. I've heard you say this, and I've heard Craig Council say this countless times over the course of the year, and, and we forget this a lot, I think, as fans and as people to cover the teams, how young some of these guys at the major league level are and how much development is left in them. And, you know, you can look at Jonathan Broxton, obviously, is a great example of, or Jonathan, Jonathan VR, I'm sorry, as a great example of that. But Keon Broxton is a really good example of that within this season. 
uh, what he, where he was from opening day to where he is today. It's, uh, it's really rewarding and fun in, in my job, and I'm sure in Craig's job, when you begin to see a young player take that step forward in front of uh, your eyes at the major league level. And obviously, Keon's a guy we, we brought over from Pittsburgh. Um, he got off to a rough start this year, and, and uh, I think he felt almost a little overwhelmed at the major league level. It was moving pretty fast for him, but to his credit, uh, he went to the minor leagues multiple times. Uh, he worked extremely hard down there, and when he got a consistent opportunity up here, he really has, has grabbed hold of it and taken advantage to the point where over the last month he's been one of the best all-around players in baseball. And that, that's really exciting to have um, that type of uh, athletic young outfielder um, roaming around center field for us right now who, who has the ability to impact the type of the game the way he has over the last month. You know, baseball, like all sports, fluid, and things change from week to week, day to day, and of course month to month and season to season. And, you know, you never just put down in concrete slate what the lineup's going to look like next year or yeah. what the rotation's going to look like next year. And a great example of that is Willie Peralta. Probably some people had written him off a little over a month ago, and look what he's doing now. How, how encouraging is that for you guys to see somebody like Willie really turning in some nice performances here down the stretch. It, it's certainly um, a, nice, uh, a nice thing for, have, for us to have heading into the offseason. When um, you look at a guy like Willie who had the type of success he did at the major league level uh, in 2014, um, the struggles he had last year, and then, and then the tough time he had at the beginning of this year. And, and I think it's, it's natural for everyone to begin to wonder which is, which is the real Willie Peralta. And, um, we challenged him when, we, when uh, we sent him down to AAA, and I think he understood that he was at a crossroads of his career, um, that he needed to work some things out, and that uh, this was a chance for him to clear his mind and get back on track, and that's exactly what he's done. And uh, Since he's come up, we've seen um, the electric fastball that he had in 2014. We've seen the wipeout slider that he had in 2014, and um, he's really turned himself back into that pitcher, and we saw it again last night. Um, against the Cubs, and it's, it's an exciting um, piece for us to have. And uh, as you said, you, you never really know when uh, players are going to turn, when situations are going to turn, and, and Willie's a great example of that. The roster's expanded on September 1st, and that's always an interesting time for a general manager yeah. working with your baseball staff to figure out you know, who, who do we want to bring up, who's earned the right to be with the Major League Club, and, and how many is too many before it becomes a distraction? How, how do you manage all of that and find the right formula? It's, it's an ongoing conversation, really, for the weeks leading up between uh, our staff and Craig and his staff and understanding uh, the needs they have um, in a game-to-game -game situation in the dugout from a matchup standpoint and balancing that with uh, the developmental needs of some of our players and who do we want to uh, see time up here. Um, how much playing time are we really going to have up here? And that's something we talked about a lot, where a lot of the playing time in September is going to go to guys who have been here for the majority of the year that we need to uh, see continue playing. We need them to have their development time at the major leagues. And so we tried to be, uh, keep the numbers as low as we possibly could um, while also making sure we had the depth up here should we have an injury or or we want to give some guys rest as we head down the stretch in September. And always easier if the guys are already on the 40-man roster, Absolutely. so you don't have to make any other moves as a result of that. One guy that was, Taylor Youngman, and he, he really earned a chance to come back here. He pitched very well once he got to Biloxi. He did, and, and Taylor's another one of these guys who's had um, consistent success at the Major League career prior to this year and um, obviously struggled uh, when he was up here before, but went down to the minor leagues, uh, made a couple of different stops in Colorado Springs, then back to Arizona, then to Biloxi, 
um, and has progressively gotten himself back to, to where we believe he can, can, can compete at the major league level. Uh, and so we're happy to have him back here. He deserves to be back here. He's earned it and looking forward to seeing him pitch this September. Another guy that is a part of those rosters expanding is Andrew Susak, the catcher that you got in return along with Phil Pickford for Will Smith of the San Francisco Giants at the non-waiver trade deadline. How much do you want to see him a little bit over the course of this next month so you can get a good feel for him going into 2017? Yeah, we're, we're certainly excited to see um, him over the course of the next month. He's had a, a little bit of a rough last month. He, he pulled an oblique and so um, really hasn't played much in our organization, so we haven't had a chance to see him very much in a, in a Brewers uniform quite yet. Um, but he got healthy uh, for the last uh, last couple of days in the in the AAA season. Um, we're we're happy to have him up here, and he'll certainly see some time. And it will be good for for us to see him in a major league uniform. Good for our coaching staff to see him, and and uh, and then he'll be a, a part of our plans heading into spring training next year. And a couple of other arms making their way up. One of those, Damian Magnifico, who got a little taste. Yep. Uh, at the uh, in, in back in August in Chicago, but uh, now going to get a little bit longer taste here over the course of the rest of September. Big big arm, obviously, with Damian Magnifico, and and still trying to develop some of that other stuff. But a lot of potential there. It is. It's a big arm, and that's the calling card. And any time a guy can uh, consistently run the ball up into the upper 90s, you you have to take notice. And uh, Damian's secondary stuff has progressed. His slider has progressed. His command has improved to the point where we think he can be a, a viable major league reliever um, and we're happy to have him here in September. Another big piece of news this week was the completion of the Jonathan Lucroy Jeremy Jeffress trade. We yep. uh, of course know about Lewis Brenson and we know about Luis Ortiz but Ryan Cordell the third piece uh, to that deal now uh, has been made official 24 years old he was in double-a Frisco seems like good speed good power is, is is one of the things that stands out about him I, I think that's right it's it's the it's the power speed calling card combination that um, that allows him to potentially reach a, a high level of impact at, at the major league level and um, we're excited to see where it, it takes him he's um, demonstrated above average power. He's demonstrated above average speed. He's a good defender. He's played all over the field. He's had some infield experience. We see him primarily as an outfielder. Uh, so a, an exciting young athlete to add to our upper levels. When, when there's a situation with a player to be named, for, for our viewers and for our listeners, take us through the process that you yeah. go through internally with you've got a list of guys that you're going to scout and and, and a guy like Cordell, he didn't get to play much over the last month, so you just went back further probably on him and, and got your reports that way. But how does that process work as you try to figure out who that last piece to the trade is going to be? It, it, whenever you have a player to be named later and you have a confined uh, group of players, it, it really allows you to focus your attention on them. And um, we can focus our pro scouting resources on a select group and, and have them each hone in on, on different things. And, uh, make sure that we have time to answer the questions we have about each of the players. And um, that was certainly the case with Ryan and, and the other players who were in the mix along with Ryan. And so um, ultimately, even though uh, Ryan did have the injury shortly after, uh, shortly after the trade, we thought he was the best fit for our organization. Um, what he had done prior to uh, his injury and, and the information we had on him prior to the injury uh, was quality information and cer certainly pleased to be able to add him. The Arizona Fall League as well. Those uh, participants have been announced, and uh, among others, Isan Diaz, Jacob Nottingham, going to be in the Arizona yeah. Fall League. You know, how does that process work? I'm sure you work with Tom Flanagan and the rest of that bunch to figure out who should go to Arizona and what you want to see them get out of that. We really let Tom and, and the, the player development staff take the lead on, on determining who the best players, who the best fits are 
uh, and would be for the um, for the Fall League. The Fall League is a great opportunity for some of the top prospects in baseball to compete against each other. It's really developed into a, a, a wonderful all-star league of sorts um, for, for a month every fall. And uh, so all the guys we're sending, we, we believe, have a chance to impact the major league level. And uh, I think Tom and his crew did a, a great job filtering through all of our options and selecting very worthy participants. Let's um, dive into the 40-man the roster because that's, I'm sure, something you guys are going to be focused in on uh, over the last couple of months of the or weeks of the regular season and over the next couple of months as you get closer to November and some of those decisions have to be made. You have a handful of guys that you're going to have to make the tough decisions are or on or they'll be exposed to the Rule 5 draft. I'm sure that's going to be one of your focuses over the next few weeks, is it? It is, it, absolutely. And it's one of the... Um it's one of the challenges of, of any organization that has a number of good young players. And uh, the Rule 5 draft, uh, we've been able to use that in the past year for, um, to acquire talent. We will in the future as well. And other organizations get to do the same thing. So um, we, have to be, we have to be wise in, in who we're protecting and who we're leaving exposed. That will be an ongoing conversation for the next couple of months. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some, some nice vigorous debate and discussion within our uh, Within our front office, about who should be on that on that list, that protection list. Um, but it's a, it's a really a nice time of year to evaluate the amount of talent you have in the organization mm -hmm. to really dig deep on each of these guys and uh, determine who's who's deserving to be added to the forty man roster. It's a time of year where you wish it was a sixty man roster, no especially question. with all the talent you've acquired and guys that are, you know, kind of getting towards that that point in their careers. Uh, yeah, if you had a few extra spots, I'm sure you'd yeah, take you, it right now. You can never have too many spaces, um, and you always feel like you're a space or two short, and uh, <laughs> that, will, that will certainly be the case this year. Well, uh, big news, obviously, with Wisconsin making the Class A uh, Midwest League playoffs. That was a, a great run they went on in the second half. We already mentioned Isan Diaz. He was a big catalyst for that. Just tremendous pitching. They set a Midwest League uh, record for strikeouts for a pitching staff. Uh, this is a pretty neat thing because that's a young team with a lot of young talent it's a very young team it's a team that's gelled really nicely over the course of the year and Matt Erickson our manager up there and his staff deserve a ton of credit for keeping those guys going um, the Midwest League is not an easy league um, the travel is not always that easy the weather obviously early in the season is challenging uh, and, and it's made all the more challenging when you have a young team like we did up there with a lot of guys who haven't been at that level before and um, Matt and his crew did a, did a wonderful job. They're doing a wonderful job, and we'll certainly be rooting for them over the next week or so as they make their way through the playoffs. And one nice bonus, you get some guys some postseason experience, which is always a valuable thing, and you're able to put Corey Ray on the roster so he can experience some of that. That's exactly right. And uh, Corey's no stranger to big environments. Obviously, in college, he, he played on about as big a stage as you possibly can for an amateur player. Um, and he'll, uh, he'll do a nice job for us in the playoffs with, uh, with, with Wisconsin. He had a very nice year. Um, in Brevard and was able to get hot late. Um, so it'll, it'll be a good experience for him, get him some playoff atmosphere, uh, get the juices flowing a little bit heading into the offseason. Obviously, you just mentioned Brevard. They played their final game at Space Coast Stadium. They'll move to Kissimmee uh, starting next year. And, you know, I'm sure from the standpoint of PDCs and, 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 and how everything falls, so that's something that you'll have your eye on over the course of this offseason, like every offseason, right? That's right. We, we have a couple of expiring PDCs, and, and that's a process that generally um, really will take place over the next month or so. And, and by the time we get to mid-October, we should more or less be set with where we're going to be next year. But uh, we're fortunate to have a, a very strong set of affiliates. And um, if, there's a, if there's movement, we know that's going to happen from time to time. And uh, I'm sure we'll be in, in an equally strong setup next year. But Fortunate that, uh, that our current partners are as loyal to us as they are and, and, uh, and very happy to be working with them. David, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for giving us some time. My pleasure. Thanks, Lane. 
Our thanks to David Stearns for joining us here on Brewers on Tap. Okay, time to go down and check out the minor leagues. Checking in on the farm. Well, the Brewers minor league seasons are now complete, but since we last talked, the Timber Rattlers were eliminated from the Midwest League playoffs as the Cedar Rapids Colonels got the best of them. Two games to none in that best of three series, but still a phenomenal year from the Timber Rattlers, a really young team, a lot of roster turnover. They set the Midwest League record for strikeouts in a season. They had Isan Diaz come on in a big way over the second half of the season. Lucas Ursig turned a lot of heads. This is a promising group and core of young players in the Brewer system, and everybody should be very excited about them. Some other notes from the Brewers minor league seasons now that they are complete. Ronnie Gideon finished as the home run king in the Pioneer League. He hit 17 home runs in rookie ball out in the Pioneer League for the Helena Brewers. And Brandon Woodruff, what a year he had between Class A, Advanced Brevard County, and Double A Biloxi. He finished the strikeout king in all of minor league baseball. Josh Hader wasn't far behind either. A really promising development for some of the young arms that are getting developed in the Brewers system right now. The Sky Sox uh, finished the season fairly strong with a decent second half, even though a lot of that roster had been brought up to the major league level with the Brewers. The Shuckers just missed the playoffs two different times. They missed the playoffs in the first half uh, at the, on the last day of the first half, and then they were in it until the very end for a potential playoff spot uh, in the Southern League, just missed out on that. So a good season overall from Biloxi as well. Class A advanced Brevard County had a tough year, but some talented players there just playing at a level that uh, they're very, very young for. I think that team's going to be much better. Uh, that core of players is going to be much better going into next year. And uh, we told you about Wisconsin. Helena had their struggles, but some bright spots as well uh, over the course of the year. So some exciting things going on with the Brewers minor league system, the number one farm system by some people in Major League Baseball or in Minor League Baseball, if you will. All right, time to break it down. Let's break it down. Joined by Brewers uh, hitting instructor Jeremy Reed. And Jeremy, you're up here with uh, the Big League Club over the next couple of weeks finishing out the season. So this, this is probably fun for you. You spend a lot of time traveling around from the different minor league affiliates over the course of the year. And now you get to come up here and, and work hand-in-hand hand with Darnell Coles and Jason Lane. Yeah, it's a it's a really good experience. It's it's a it's a fun time to be a brewer for for a lot of the players, and it's a cool time for me to get up here and and uh, see some of the kids that have actually gone through the system and made it here, and, and uh, see how they go about their business now, and uh, kind of help them stay on course. But but for me, it's it's a cool experience because there's so much work that goes in down there in the minor leagues that. Um, you know, you try to get on the same page with Darnell and, and, and everything that's going on up here, but to actually have a chance to see the product at the big league level is, is very important. A couple of guys that you saw a lot in AAA this year would have been Keon Broxton and Orlando Arce, and both guys were guys that I know you had specific things you wanted to see from them, and it seems like you're seeing those things. Orlando had a tough first couple of weeks up here. Uh, but he's made adjustments. He seems so much more comfortable and, and more aggressive when he gets in the right counts now. Yeah, adjustments are, are a necessity in this game, and, and they're they're going to be like that forever. So he's, he's going to have to continue to make adjustments. Um, but the good thing is, uh, you know, he did deal with some failure. He did struggle, something that he, he struggled before, but not nearly to the degree where it's at the big league level and he wants to be 
the performer that he is. Um, so it, it, it was kind of something that I think he needed to have happen. Um, it was good for it to happen early and for him to make the adjustments. So uh, for him, it's, 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 a, it's a cool uh, thing for me because I've seen him for the last three years grow from an A-ball player to a double-A player and now in the big leagues. And we always thought he would be a big leaguer, and we think he's going to be a very good one. But he still is going to have to continue to make adjustments. Have you seen many examples like Keon Broxton where guys have struggled so much to start a year, they go up and down as many times as he did, but they hang in there, and the light kind of goes on as the season comes down the stretch? Yeah, that's the cool thing about the game, about the business. If you continue to work, uh, hopefully the work will pay off. It's not always the case right away. Um, But for Keon's sake... Um, he just kept going down there and pounding the pavement and getting in the cage and working and busting his tail. And, and that's a, you know, it, it, it shows what kind of person, what kind of player is and how determined he is. Um, you know, you just sometimes you wish that every player had that. And if they don't, that's what we're trying to help develop. Uh, continuing along the lines of, of just kind of philosophically things you guys want to see, what, what are some of the goals you guys have set out with, you know, it seems like the power numbers are pretty good this year. Diaz Diaz had a big year with 20 home runs. Brett Phillips had a lot of home runs. Ronnie Gideon turned a lot of heads in Helena. Um, but what are some of the other things you want to see guys take the next step with uh, from an approach standpoint? Yeah, I mean, pitch recognition and plate discipline are heavily talked about. You know, can you command the strike zone? Can you get a pitch where you're looking? Can you do damage on those pitches? You know, when damage counts, we need to try to do damage. And, uh you know, then we, as we get later in counts at the minor league level, um, we emphasize trying to figure out a way to put the ball in play. Um, but uh, the biggest part is trying to get guys to swing at what they can do, what they can be successful at swinging at, and and that's a that's a tough task sometimes with with let's just call it coming out of Dominican. There's a, there's a term that they say you got to hit your way off the li- the island. So it's swing 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 swing. Hopefully, I get hits 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 right and. You know, now you get to go to a level where, you know, a guy can spin a breaking ball, a guy can add and subtract, he can go elevate and he can go low. Next thing you know, you don't know where the barrel is and you don't know what you're swinging at. So um, we try to help guys use their eyes better to their advantage to see the baseball first and then hit it second. Isan Diaz had a huge year, and a lot of people are talking about him, a a guy that uh, is so young and yet enjoying so much success. You had a chance to see him. He got off to that slow start. The second half was huge. And I talked to him at the end of June when he was just starting to really get going, and he talked about that the weather he felt like affected him a little bit early on, but it had to be a lot more than just that too, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, Isan's very talented. Um, You know, he's still learning. He's very young. Um, There's so much to baseball that um, with inside the game that you have to learn and, and being able to get rid of the negative, the 0 for 4, and come back the next day and, and, and try to just, you know, play your best and give your all and, and whatever that is. Um, but for a guy who's, A, a Latin player, and B, going into Wisconsin where the weather is a factor, I think uh, it, it did play a role. It did play a role, but a very beneficial role that as you go up, you're going to play in that weather. Um, so even if there's failure, even if there was stuff that, you know, he, he would like to have done better in April, um, it was very beneficial to him. Sometimes as hard as it is for us to realize, failing and, and learning how to deal with it is very important. You, of course, as the roving hitting instructor, your weeks are different every week. Take me through, and there isn't a typical week, obviously, but take me through kind of some of your responsibilities on a weekly basis. 
who you're talking to, who you're getting reports back to, and, and making sure everybody's on the same page. That's one of the big parts of your job, I'm sure. Yeah, correct. Uh, man, it's, it's, it's tough because there really isn't a, a same Monday through Friday or Saturday, Sunday, like a lot of people would think. Um, you know, we, we try to build a schedule in spring training, and we go out as rovers to different uh, affiliates, and we try to, you know, have one rover in different places, different times, and not really be there at the same time. And uh, that changes fast when we need to make adjustments in the schedule depending on what's going on with certain players, infielders, outfielders, guys going up, pitching, it, it, it changes. Um, but uh, all, a typical road trip for me is I'll try to get two or three cities in in one trip. So I'll go to Wisconsin for five days, and then I'll go to Helena for five days, and then I'll go see uh, like Brevard County for five days, and then I'll go home, I'll reassess, and, and maybe see the Arizona club for a little bit and take a couple days, and then I'll go back out and do it again with maybe AA and AAA. Um, but the real big part of this is trying to get all the coaches and staff to speak the same language, is to try to get them to, um, you know, if a player goes from AA to AAA, hopefully the coaches are speaking the same language and we're on the same page and they can just pick up where they left off. That's the reason why they went up and hopefully they can continue to do it. And then there's also the times when guys are struggling and, and we got to go in there and maybe I'm just an extra set of eyes, a little bit of help for, for the hitting coaches, maybe throw some batting practice uh, to give them a breather. Um, but it changes. It, 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 it's, it's part of the job to, you know, be somewhere else every week, and, and uh, I enjoy it. Uh, and then as far as the report writing is, um, you know, we try to uh, give the front office, paint a picture for them as best we can as what the product that they have. And, and the process of how to improve a player or whether he's, he's failing in the reason why or whether he's being successful in the reason why. Jeremy, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Our thanks to Jeremy Reed for joining us. What's coming up? Here's what's on tap with the Brewers. Here is what's coming up. It's a pretty cool thing the Brewers are putting on. It's the give-back game. It's coming up on September 25th against the Reds. Final Brewers home game of the 2016 season. And for the first time in franchise history, the Brewers will donate nearly all ticket proceeds from their Sunday, September 25th game to four local charities. The Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Milwaukee, the Mac Fund, Make-A-Wish Foundation, Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Humane Society. Tickets for the Brewers' September 25th game versus the Reds will not be available for purchase as they traditionally are. Instead, fans will be able to get tickets by going to brewers.com slash giveback and naming their own ticket price. The minimum price is $10, and all proceeds from that purchase will be donated to one of four participating charities. Tickets are available by level and distributed on first-come, first-served basis, beginning with field level, then on to loge, then club level, etc. Fans can get the best seats in the house for a great price, and you can be a part of helping out these great local charities. It's a, a really cool thing. And while each ticket can be purchased for a non-deductible minimum donation of $10, they can elect if you want to. Fans can elect to pay more to support their charity drop-down menu will allow fans to pay up to $50 per ticket with all proceeds still going to that charity for donations of greater than $50. You can do it, but you need to call 414-902-4000. Going to be fun. Hope we'll see you out there for that final game, the final home game, that is, of the Brewers' 2016 regular season. All right, that is going to do it for us. Thank you for joining us. Episode number 63 of Brewers on Tap is in the books. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Lane Grimm.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 